Morning, church. I, uh, I do need to correct one, one little thing that uh, David said earlier. Uh, he invited you to spend the rest of the service thinking about tacos. And uh, I'm very sorry, but I have to withdraw that invitation. You've got to spend 15, 20 minutes listening to this Englishman. And if I catch anybody gazing out the window, wistfully thinking about tacos, I reserve the right to bring you up here and Peter and I will lay hands on you and stage an intervention. <laughs> so, I thought I'd better clear that up first. <clears throat> if you have your Bibles, you might want to turn with me to John chapter 5. John chapter 5 and starting at verse 1. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate, a pool which in Aramaic is called Bethesda and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time. He asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for this opportunity to meet together in your house and to gather around your word. And Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit will be with us this morning to open our minds that we might understand your word, that each one of us here, Lord, could draw closer to you through your word this morning. In your precious name, amen. Now, as David said earlier, we are continuing in our series in John, in the book of John, and looking particularly at Jesus, uh, the things he did, his deity, and the fact that the gospel is focused on Christ. And so this passage this morning I want to look at briefly concerns this man who had been we don't know exactly what his condition was. It says he was an invalid. He was not able to walk. He'd been in this situation for 30 years, 38 years, 
Jesus meets him, Jesus heals him. Now, we could look at this story from two or three different perspectives. We could look at it from the perspective of the people who were there at the time by this pool. We could look at it from the perspective of the man who was healed. We could look at it from the perspective of Jesus. We could look at it from the perspective of the Jewish leaders who got irritated by the fact that Jesus had healed this man on the Sabbath. But for our time this morning, I want us to consider it from the perspective of the man who was healed. So I want us to kind of try and put ourselves into his situation a little bit. And as we do that, as we consider his situation, as we bear in mind his history, we consider his situation as this story opens, and we consider what happened to him, I want us to be asking the question, who was really in charge? Who was really in charge of this man's life in this story? And while we're doing that, I'd like us to have in the back of our minds the question, who is really in charge of our lives today, this week, this month. So then, who is in charge of this man's life? Well, you could say, one answer might be, well, you know, in some, in some ways you would say, life was in charge of this man. By that I mean, he'd spent 38 years as an invalid. We don't know how old he was. We don't know if he developed the condition or whether he, had the whether he had it from birth. But that really defined him. He was not able to walk. And so in some, some sense, you could say that his life was in charge of him. And sometimes that can happen to us as well. Because we can as we move our way through the world and we try to live the life that Christ wants, we try to look after our families, we try to uh, earn enough money to support ourselves and our loved ones, and we try to do the right thing, sometimes we can feel that it's all too much, that just life sometimes is just too difficult. That there are things we would have loved to have done but we can't do them, we never really had the chance to do them because for whatever reason, life got in the way. Our family background, our, our situation, our fi the finances of our family, whatever, whatever it may be, it may be a number of things, but sometimes we might feel, you know what, I, I'd have been so much happier if I could have gone and done this. And, and so life itself tends to weigh upon us sometimes and weigh us down, and that sometimes can be in charge of us. We can feel that we are always going to have to, if you like, stay in our lane. Because we can't go and do these other things. We can't have a wider perspective or a wider horizon because we just didn't get the lucky roll of the dice when we were born. The situation we were born into has defined us and sometimes that it can weigh down on us and it can depress us and it begin to crush us. And you could understand that this man might have been, his life might have been in charge of him. Another suggestion might be that it was actually his, his present circumstances that were in charge of him. 
Why would I say that? Because he'd somehow got himself to this pool at Bethesda by the Sheep Gate in Jerusalem. Why had he got himself there? Because the Bible tells us that people who got into that pool at certain times had a miraculous healing. It tells us that sometimes an angel stirred up the water in the pool. It doesn't tell us how often that happened, but it says that occasionally an angel would stir up the waters in the pool and the first person to get into the pool when that happened would be healed of whatever ailment or situation they were struggling with. And so this man had, had got himself somehow to the pool to give himself a chance of getting into the water at the right time and being healed. But his circumstances were in charge of him because, as he said to Jesus, I can't walk. So when the water gets stirred up, by the time I've started to drag myself to the water, somebody else has gone in and they've been healed. So this man's circumstances, you could say, were in charge of him. His circumstances were he was by the pool. He couldn't leave the pool because if he left the pool and, and went somewhere else, then he'd lose that tiny little chance he had that one day he might get into the water and be healed. His circumstances were in charge of him because he, he was every, every day he was watching and waiting that pool to see if the water could get moved, to see if perhaps he might see it just a little bit earlier than anybody else to give himself a chance to get into the water. So, in some sense, you would say that his circumstances were in charge of him. What do I mean when I say in charge of? I mean, what is it that motivates us, that controls us, that directs us, that influences the decisions we take on a moment-by-moment -moment basis? That's what I'm talking about when I'm saying, who is in charge of you today? Who's in charge of me today? It may well be that this man was controlled by his circumstances. His circumstances were in charge of him. That also can happen to us. Because life is not easy, is it, all the time? Sometimes things happen, we have to deal with things that make us anxious or fearful or concerned or worried. Or sometimes we, we get into a scenario where we're focused on something and we're doing something, we don't have time to do the things we should. I'm going to tell a story, retell a story that I've told before. But I don't apologize for that because it has a different application today than what I've told this before. The story concerns my son, he's 35 now, but when he was seven, he came into my study at home, I was working hard on a project. I, I gotta get this project finished for the next day and so I was working. And it was about, I don't know, six, six in the evening or something and he, he came in with a soccer ball. And he said, Dad, can we play football? Because in England, we call it football because we use our feet. We don't, we don't pick it up and throw it and call it football, but that's, 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 a, story, that's a discussion for another day. So he said, can, can, can we play football? And I said, I said oh, Jack, I can't. I'm so sorry, I can't play football because I've got, to get, I've, I've got to get this done. It's really important. And he said, okay, and he went out. 
And then a couple of minutes later, I've, I thought to myself, I felt really bad, and I thought, well, it's going to be dark in, in 45 minutes. I can go and kick a ball around with him. So I, I went and found him, and we went and kicked the ball around for 45 minutes, and it was great. And I went back to my work. And then three months later, we're at his school for parents' night. And you're looking at all their work, and there's an exercise book, and I was just flicking through it, and they were, they were asked to write down something really exciting that happened. He'd written down that he played football with me. And it, 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 it made me cry, to be honest, at the time, because I so nearly didn't play football with him. But, but the reason that has application today is that was a scenario in which my circumstances were in charge of me until I realized. My circumstances then were that I got this really important project to get done. I was running out of time. I had to have it done in the morning. And so that was, my, that was, that, that was my, the most important thing in my life. And it so nearly stopped me from taking 45 minutes out to play football with my son, an event which in his seven-year-old life was huge. That's how our circumstances can be in charge of us. If, we're in, if we've got financial challenges, if we've got work challenges, if there's somebody at work who is above us, who is not being fair with us, or if there's bullying us or intimidating, uh, or whatever, then those circumstances are very real. And those circumstances can take control and take charge of us and influence the way we act, the way we react to our family and our friends. It, it, it can stop us from sleeping at night if we're anxious or worrying about something. So yes, sometimes our circumstances can be in charge of us. There may be somebody here this morning who's having a really tough week, who's got things going on that are causing them to be anxious, and, and perhaps your circumstances are taking charge of you right now because they're, they're, all, they're the only things you can think of. They're the only things you can focus on, worrying about that. So perhaps this man, perhaps his life was in charge of him, perhaps his circumstances were in charge of him, perhaps other people were in charge of him. Because let's face it, if there was nobody else there, then he'd have got in the water, wouldn't he, when the angel troubled, stirred the water. But he couldn't get there because there were other people there and they got in there first. And then after Jesus healed him, when he's rejoicing and he's, he can walk and, and he must have been just floating on a cloud of euphoria, then the Jewish leaders come and they start interrogating. What are you doing walking with your mat on a Sabbath? And so suddenly people are unto him. And yes, people can take charge of us. I might think I'll wear the trousers in my house. No, I'm not going to go there. People sometimes can take charge of us, can't they? You know, I mean, we could go on forever about this. You know, I mean, getting in with the wrong people, spending time with people who don't have the same belief systems as us, soon we can drift into things we know we shouldn't get involved in. You know, pe bullying people can take charge of us. You know, people who belittle us or put us down can take charge of us. What are you doing? What are you th even thinking about doing that? You can't do that. So easy to put people down, and, and we are sometimes so susceptible to being put down by somebody else. So people could be in charge of us. People could be in charge of you. And lastly, our focus 
could be in charge of us. This man's focus was that pool. And, and so I don't know how long he'd lay there, but his focus was that pool. And that influence, that was in charge of his day. The Jewish leaders who saw this miraculous healing but missed, missed the fact that right there in their town, the majesty of God had intervened in this man's life and healed him in a miraculous way. They missed all of that because they were angry that he was carrying his bed on the Sabbath. Their focus was all about their rules. It wasn't against the law, or it wasn't against biblical law to walk holding your mat on the Sabbath. It said you shouldn't work on the Sabbath. But the Pharisees, they didn't add it in. All of these other rules and regulations that they felt would interpret what the, what the Bible originally said. So they, they missed this immense act of power and miracle because they were obsessed with their own position, their own authority. This didn't happen under their control. It was outside of their control. Their focus was in charge of them. Their focus was on their position. And it blinded them to a miracle. And that can happen to us. Our focus can be on our work. It can be on a lot of things. And it stops us from having a proper relationship with God, reading our Bible, praying as we should. All of these things could have been in charge of this man. But then Jesus comes and he cuts through the noise. Because he doesn't care about the other people or the water or, or the Pharisees or anybody else. And he says to the man, do you want to be healed? And this, we don't, none of us really appreciate that as Christians, we have in our back pocket the most amazing tool and weapon known to man. It's the power to talk to God. It's the ability to pray. When you want to speak to Jesus, you don't, select from the following options. Press one for customer service, press two for technical support, press three if it's Thursday and your name begins with P, press nine for more useless option. You want to talk to a person. We all have the ability to speak to God. Very quickly, because time's going on, a funny story about something that happened on Friday. I've set myself up there because I've said it's funny. So you may not think it's funny, but anybody who's known me for any length of time knows I am very physically clumsy. I fall over a lot, I break things. I'm horrendously bad at DIY. So bad, I've been married for 37 years. If there's, any, if there's anything that needs doing that requires a ladder or a hammer, it's Stephanie who goes up the ladder my job's to hold the ladder. I don't have a toolkit. She has a toolkit. This is the way it is. Friday morning, a bird has flown in our house. And it's gone right by the front door, the entrance. And in that part of the house, there's a very high ceiling. And the bird is fluttering around up there. There's some little windows that don't open. 
well, we're very upset that this bird is trapped up there. So we tried for about half an hour to rescue this bird. We, we got a, a pool net, and then we got a big pole, duct taped the two together, and, you know, but it's wobbling all over the place. Anyway, we tried for two hours, couldn't, couldn't, get, couldn't get the bird down. So we thought, well, we'll leave the door open, and hopefully he'll, he'll find his way out. Well, that was in the morning. Late afternoon, the poor bird's still up there. And I thought to myself, you know, I reckon if I got the stepladder and I went up the stepladder with that pool net, I think I'd, have, I'd be up high and I'd have a bit more control and I might be able to get the bird. Well, Stephanie was in the other room watching a program, probably about wizards and goblins fighting elves and monsters. There was a lot of noise and excitement. So I thought, well, I won't disturb her. I can do this. So I went in the garage to find the stepladder. But on my way out the garage of the stepladder, I suddenly thought to myself, if I've got to go high, really, up this ladder, and it's a tiled hard floor, so if I fall off, you know, it, it's, it's not going to be good. So I said a prayer. I literally just said a prayer. I didn't say, Lord, help me catch the bird. I simply said, Lord, please keep me safe when I go up this ladder. So, I come, out, I come out with the stepladder, right? I put the stepladder down. I get the net. I'm just about to put one foot on the ladder. The bird flutters all the way down, flies out the door. <laughs> and I've thought about this since. I think, I think, my guardian angel was looking at me and he thought, heck no, we can't let him go up that ladder with that net. <clears throat> that is a true story from Friday. Do you know what? There's a weird postscript as well, because <clears throat> two hours later, I, got, I drive two miles up the road to get some takeout, and I park, and I've got to cross the thing to the, to the takeout place, and as I park, a, a black, little black bird flies right in front of my nose and perches on the roof of the car. Anyway, I look at it, and then I walk on to the uh, place, and it flies off, and I, I, <laughs> I promise, it kind of bumped me on the shoulder and then flew off. <laughs> like a fist bump. I think he was saying, you know, I did you a solid <laughs> earlier. So you need to pay that forward. Anyway, the point of that story was, it did have a point and we are finished. The point of the story was, I, d I said a prayer. You know, I just said a prayer because I was worried about hurting myself. I said a prayer. And we, we all have the ability to do that. We can pray at any time. Do we use it enough? Do we use it enough? Because that ability just to pray is what will unlock whatever it is that is in charge of our life at that point. Because Jesus cut through the noise and said to the man, do you want to get well? And the man was still controlled by his circumstances because he said, look, I, I tried, but there's so many people, I can't get in there. She said, no, do you want to get well? If you do, get up and walk. And guess what? In an instant, he was healed. And all of those other things that had been running his life for 38 years, in that second, were blown away and became irrelevant because from now on, it was between him and Christ. 
And so for anybody this morning who feels in any way you are being controlled by your circumstances, by your life, by the circumstances you're in, by the fears, the challenges, the worries, the anxieties you have, this is so clear. Because the Bible says the angel stirred up the water. Elsewhere, the Bible says that David was told to move when he heard a a going in, in the tops of the trees. It's about an opportunity, and it's about seizing that opportunity. This man had an opportunity to get rid of everything that had been controlling his life because Jesus addressed him directly. He took the opportunity. His life was transformed. That's available to you and to me this morning. If you are having a tough time, if you are being controlled by your life, your circumstances, your focus by other people, simply meet with Jesus and send that little prayer and ask him to come in and deal with whatever it is that is controlling you or bringing you down this morning. And he will do that and he will transform your life. Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and for all that it contains for us. Lord, I just pray you'd help each one of us, Lord, to use that incredible power we have to pray and ask you to come in and help us. In your precious name, amen.